Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. There's like this underlying current uh, with everybody that you're, you need to justify your existence mm -hmm. basically with these major accomplishments. You need to show everybody else like, that you're doing it right, yeah. that you're living right. But really, you were just given this life. None of us asked for this, right? This, this was all a gift. So it's crazy to kind of fall into, and we all do it. I'm not casting judgment on anybody. I do it. Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of fall into these rhythms where you're like, okay, that's what I need to be doing. Rather than... Rather than deciding like, or reflecting, just simply reflecting on what are the moments that have brought me joy that no one was grading me. No one was forcing me to do the activity. I was just doing what I wanted to do. And this is why I found, I found the uh, exercise, your play history so helpful. And I still return to it, which is what were those things that you did as a kid? The, the activities where you were just left to your own devices, you were on your leisure time, you weren't in school, you weren't, no one was directing you or instructing you to do anything. What were the activities that you were repeatedly and voluntarily turning to? Because that's really your North Star. That's your internal compass. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Charlie, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Thanks, Srini. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, you know, so we had you here uh, actually in the very, very early days of being Unmistakable Creative, right after we had rebanded from a Blogcast FM where we talked about sort of the, the dark side of ambition and how um, you'd, you know, found yourself, despite having achieved sort of what appeared to be the heights of external success at such a young age in a period of, of almost debilitating anxiety. Uh, so, you know, I definitely want to talk about that for people who may or may not know your story. But where I want to start is a little bit differently this time, just based on what I know about you and sort of the, the social groups that you've built as an adult. And that is, what social group were you a part of in high school? And how did that end up impacting the choices that you've made with your life and your career? Ah, 
interesting. So can you be a little bit more specific on yeah, what I, social group? Yeah, I mean, who are the people, what were the people that you hung out in, uh, hung out with in high school? Like, were they the jocks? Were they the nerds? Were, you know, were you somebody who could navigate multiple social groups? And, and you know, what impact did these people have on, on your life and your choices? Yeah, so it was mostly the latter. Um, I, I tended to hang out with athletes because I was an athlete myself, but um, so I hung out with baseball, basketball players, but generally speaking, I just gravitated toward anybody who had a good sense of humor or uh, someone who wanted to do things. So for instance, in my senior year, I found myself hanging out with a lot of people on student council because I had to run uh, for, for student council because I wanted to make the pep rally videos mm-hmm. uh, at our pep rallies because prior to my senior year, I thought our pep rallies were terrible. <laughs> and so I wanted I wanted to, it to be a fun and funny experience for the student body. And I just assumed, okay, I have in order for me to take part in that, I have to be on student council. So I did this big campaign. Uh, I won... Uh, vice president with uh, my friend Zach and then we were making pep rally videos and it was only later on that I found out hey you could have just made these videos <laughs> you would have played them uh, you didn't have to run for student body but I think in high school um, you know I, I just like hanging out with people who uh, were kind or funny and like to do things outside of their homework uh-huh. uh, so whether it was pranks whether it was uh, a little side project or something and I've always gravitated to those to those types of people and, and just wanting to be friends with them. So you know, you mentioned that you're an athlete, and it, it, this is a question I'd, I'd wanted to ask Yannick Silver yesterday, and I keep finding this pattern between everybody I know who's accomplished anything of, of significance, and that is that they all seem to have some physical activity that really kind of is a major driver behind you know their life, their creativity, and you know the work that mm. they do. Um, and, and I'm curious, you know, what did you learn about work ethic and uh, grit and persistence from athletics that you've applied in your life as an adult? And do you find this uh, physical, you know, uh, outlet to be the case with all of the people that you know in your life as well? That's, that's a really interesting observation. Um, I know for a fact, so I pitched for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a huge, um, that really shaped uh, how how I approach work, how comfortable and confident I am to kind of take charge of, of the situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it just fit my personality really well to be a pitcher. So even from a young age, I mean, I was I my dad's told me the story that um, there was a game when I was pretty young where uh, the the score we were down by or we were up by one run, final inning. Bases were loaded, no outs, and I told the coaches, put me in. Like, I want to go in. And my dad was, he was, he was thinking that's, that's just a crazy thing to just want responsibility for. Uh-huh. Because most people, that, that's, a, that's a nail-biting situation. Yeah. And I went in, and I, I got all three, three outs, and we won the game. Mm-hmm. And... Pitching really gave me the confidence to um, to have control over a lot of things going on, and it gave me the ability to sit and think, mm-hmm. or 
first or stand and think and try and outsmart whoever was in front of me and try and read their mind. I mean, pitching is a total, total mind game. You know, you gotta, you gotta be good. You gotta be physically good at throwing a ball and getting it in the same spot that you want it to go. But you also have to be thinking a lot about what's going on all around you as well as in front of you every single I mean otherwise baseball's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty boring game. <laughs> if you're out in right field just kind of waiting for the ball to come to you, you know. Yeah. Um so I baseball for me was was huge because now my role and what I what I consistently get paid to do is basically to strategize for other people uh-huh. uh, trying to make an impact on a big audience. Yeah. Right. In in thinking in terms of how can I how can I do all these different things with one straight straight strategy or straight line. Uh-huh. Um, and then basketball. I learned that uh, I wasn't all that good. <laughs> I wasn't, <laughs> wasn't as good at, uh, I was really good at pitching, but uh-huh. I was not that good at basketball. Um, so basketball gave me some humility and in, uh, in like learning to, uh, to just ride the bench when necessary to help uh, the team. And I think sports is so, crucial I think for everybody because um, both the individual and the team sports because uh-huh. you get to know yourself but you also get to uh, to socialize and work together and going on those road trips uh, with with your team and bonding is such a huge thing it's it's friendship mm-hmm. and what is life without friendship so um, yeah just always having that sense of like friendships always important uh-huh. Think is really huge. Yeah, it's interesting because you know I I didn't play team sports, but I was in the marching band, which you know I, I, like you get PE credit for marching band, and when you're carrying around a 50 pound tuba running around a football field, you're like, okay, I deserve PE credit for this, and, and I think there's definitely some team element to that as well. But I, I think one of the regrets I had from high school was not playing a team sport, and you know like I gravitated towards board sports because in my experience, when I was on a team, I was like, okay, I'm always the worst player on the team, and uh, yeah. you know, but. I, I think that it, what's interesting is a lot of the lessons that you got from, you know, the sports you played in high school, I have taken as an adult from board sports. And I, I think they've made a pro, had a, all of them have had a profound impact on every aspect of my life. And it's a pattern that I keep running across in, in everybody that I talk yeah. to, like either avid skiers, avid snowboarders, avid surfers, or they have something. You know, part of me wonders if, if part of the reason they're all drawn to these things is because these are all sort of gateways to flow, which amplifies performance. They are. And, you know, it, now that you, you mentioned board games, I remember reading an interview with Reed Hoffman, mm-hmm. uh, the co-founder of LinkedIn. He's known as the Oracle in Silicon Valley for being right about so many uh, big companies and, and investments. And he said that growing up, he played a lot of uh, strategy board games. Mm-hmm. And he said it was so helpful to him later on in life because they would make up new rules that would change everything. Mm-hmm. as they were playing. So what do you do when the style of play that you've grown accustomed to completely changes? How do you adjust? Are you going to be thrown into a state of panic or are you going to go with the flow mm-hmm. and retrain himself to do that? And I think playing anything, playing any sort of game, I mean, 
Oh, what's his name? He's a uh, he was he was a chess master, and then he went into Tai Chi. Josh Waitzkin. Mm-hmm. He has he has a book called The Art of Learning. Yeah, where he he talks about the, his mastery in these different sports and the effect that it had on him in the way he thinks and the way he operates. I mean, you just get so many benefits. No matter what activity you do, really. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have another friend named Shane Niemeyer who attests to he's he's an uh, world class, like world ranked uh, Ironman triathlete, and he he, he really attests to uh, the meditative benefits of running, uh-huh. meditative benefits of swimming, and the effect it has on your mind. There's all this research that shows as soon as you start exercising uh, at, at a certain degree of intensity, your brain looks like it's on fire when it's under these machines that measure the activity going on there because there's so much circulation going on and there's just so many benefits to doing sports i think plus it's fun yeah yeah well i mean i I noticed my best work almost always happens um after you know a couple of hours in the water a couple of days in the mountains like all of that is always one of the major drivers behind how i produce so much of what i do yeah well so Walk me through how you get from high school to college to doing the work that you do. You know, I know that some people have probably heard some of this story. Um, you know, give us sort of the condensed version of it and, and how you've ended up doing this. Because I think one of the things that I have found really interesting about your work is that you developed this really sort of keen ability to connect with highly influential people and add a tremendous amount of value to their lives uh, to the point where you ended up with, you know, a situation that most people fresh out of college could only dream of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I was I was very fortunate, but I but I've also found that after teaching some of this stuff to others, that other people are able to do it just as easily mm-hmm. uh, if they're intelligent and ambitious. So, um, to give you the the story behind going from high school to college, um, I guess one one of the things that was kind of pivotal for me was in high school. I actually developed uh, in my senior year of high school. I developed bursitis in my shoulder. Mm-hmm. So I, I really hit my stride in pitching and going into that season, I felt like I was at the height of my game. I could hear the ball hissing as it was leaving my hand. I mean, I had so much control. Uh, uh, players on my team who'd seen me pitch for years in batting practice were calling over other players to watch my curveball. They were like, look at this. This is ridiculous. So I really felt like, boy, senior year is going to be a great season. Um, but before the season started, I felt a stabbing pain in my shoulder every time I threw the ball. And I lost 15 miles an hour on my fastball basically overnight, uh, 15 to 20 miles an hour, which is it's massive, mm-hmm. right? You can't be a pitcher anymore. So um, I started playing around with my video camera during the season because I kept having to sit out every game. And I started taking videos and in developing this skill as a videographer, and I would go back and edit the videos, and that carried with me through college. I, I got really into making video, um, in, in video content, making video of my friends, trying to make video of, I, mean, I was entering into film festivals. That was one of the first major projects I did on my own my first year of college with my roommates. Um, and I, man, I just, I, I loved it. So I was so, I felt so fortunate because this one love of my life that had dominated my life 
was so quickly replaced by this other great thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, that became my first side business uh, that I did uh, all throughout college was making videos. Um, and in college, I, I went to Colorado State University. I didn't know any entrepreneurs. I, I think I'd learned the word entrepreneur when I was in college. But I started reading uh, entrepreneurial books. I started uh, learning that, wow, you could actually create a business and you don't necessarily have to be doomed to getting a, a job that you don't like. I remember reading uh, Ben Kaznoka's book, mm-hmm. uh, My Startup Life. Yeah. And Ben Kaznoka, actually, he's a couple years younger than me, but he actually co-wrote, um, and I'm 30 years old, mm-hmm. uh, he co-wrote uh, The Startup of You with Reed Hoffman later on. And uh, I remember reading his blog and him writing, I'm going to be in Colorado just paying a visit. Um does anybody want to meet up? And I, I said, Hey, I'll pick you up from the airport if you'd like. Um, because I, I was just amazed that there was somebody younger than me who had started a business. And I thought that was just so uh, incredible. And he wrote back and he said, yeah, sure. Pick me up. And I couldn't believe it. I found myself picking him up from the airport and I was like, Oh my God, I cannot believe I'm meeting a stranger from the internet and somebody <laughs> whose work I admire. Like, this is crazy. And I drove him from DIA to Boulder, which was, I think, a couple hours. <clears throat> and I got to hang out with him. And that was the very first experience of me uh, reaching out cold to somebody who I admired and actually developing a bit of a friendship with them. Mm-hmm. And so... I started, you know, I started thinking how I could do that more. And then by the time I graduated, uh, it was 2008. So it was a recession, mm-hmm. right? I had interned with an ad agency and they basically said after three months, tough luck, <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're not hiring. And so that, in addition to the fact that no one was really hiring because of the recession was, it, it was like a cold bucket of water to the face where my expectations were, Hey, I, I, this, this company really loves me. Like I'll be able to get a job here. No problem. And I spent the next three months applying to over a hundred jobs, a uh, hundred job listings that I just didn't want at all. And, um, getting ignored by basically all of them and not landing any offers whatsoever. And, I remember um, a certain point, a friend of mine uh, was, I ran into him at a bar and he said he was so excited because he just landed a sales rep position at a Verizon wireless uh, store. And this was somebody who spent four years in college uh, studying finance or whatever. And I just thought, you know, it's, it's no judgment against them or, or, or people who work at Verizon by any means, but I just thought, Man, if this is if this is how if this is a success story, then I need to not follow the same strategy that all of all of us are doing right now. Mm-hmm. I need to stop applying for jobs and do something different. And that's that's kind of what changed everything. You know, I I I started reaching out. I I told my parents, look, I'm gonna spend the next couple months just trying to work for free with people I admire and and creating projects for myself 
That way I'll have a portfolio. At least I'm doing something that I care about and maybe something will pan out. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what got the ball rolling. You know, I, I got a chance to have a virtual internship with Seth Godin. And then I worked with Ramit Sethi, the author of, I will teach you to be rich. I cold reached out to him and I said, I love your stuff. It has made a huge impact on my life, but hey, man, you're you're neglecting YouTube. You're great on video. Why don't I do your video stuff for free? And he said, yeah, absolutely. By the way, do you want to help me market my book? And we marketed his book together, and I'm pretty good at marketing. I've, I've always been a, had a knack for it. So um, we And Ramid had a great big audience that, that was really responsive to the game plan that we executed. And so he, he hit the bestseller list and he hit uh, number one overall on Amazon over mm-hmm. Twilight at the time, which wow. was amazing. So, <laughs> so once I had that under my belt, I, I had kind of free reign to, to talk to anybody. Um, so I, I reached out to Tucker Max um, and got to be his videographer on his nationwide movie tour. Uh, and then Ramit and Tucker and Ben Kaznoka all recommended me to Tim Ferriss. And Tim Ferriss and I started working together. I worked with him for free for a little bit. Then he started paying me, and then he made me a full-time offer. And I, I ended up being his first full-time employee, moved out to San Francisco uh, when I was like 23 years old, found myself working uh, as the right-hand man for one of my biggest heroes. Uh, I loved the four-hour work week in college, so it was just like, uh, I was like, pinch me, you know, this is, this is unbelievable. So that's that's kind of how I got to the place that I got to, and yeah. uh, I, I, one, I have just felt so incredibly blessed and lucky to, to have all these wonderful things happen with, with people I, I just admire, uh, but like I said, um, you know, I ended up writing Recession Proof Graduate, uh, the book, to, to teach people how I did it. And I've heard from so many people over the years that have done the same thing mm-hmm. and have been able to set up relationships with amazing people and get their foot in the door where they otherwise couldn't. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know, um, one of the things I'm curious about, and I don't think I've asked you this before uh, in, our, in our previous conversations, is what did you learn about mindset, behavior, and habits from being up close and personal to people like Ramit, people like Ben, people like Tim Ferriss? Because you know, I think they accomplish things that, for many of us, are, are things that we're aspiring to. Yeah. You know, there, oh, man, I've, I've been asked this question before by others, and it's it's like it's hard to almost – put into words how many different lessons I've learned from all of them, right? Because mm-hmm. I've learned so much, but I'll, I'll try and break down a few for each of them. And hopefully it does them a little bit of justice. Uh, for Tim, one of the things that really helped me uh, was him rewriting some of my emails. So he would, he would be very professional in his emails and he would try and find win-wins. And it, basically if I had to distill it down into the simplest explanation, it's basically this is that, he approaches uh, other people, other companies from the perspective of, I want to help promote you. I want to help you get to where you're going, right? So if he wanted to include, um, you know, a, t- a, a supplement that he loved to help promote the four-hour body, and he needed to get a lot of that inventory, he wouldn't go and, and ask them, hey, can you give me a bunch of your inventory for free? But he'd say he'd really make it clear what a huge win it was going to be for them. It was free advertising. Mm-hmm. They were going to be put in front of this big audience. The the past uh, clients that he'd worked with or the past organizations he'd worked with were big names. Like this was an obvious thing for them. And so really thinking in terms of how can this be a uh, a win-win for both of us. How can this be about us and not just what I can get? And I think anybody can apply that to their life. If you want to partner up with somebody, focus on what the win is for them and get really clear on the kind of results, the specific numbers or whatever that you can drive for them. And then people are going to be saying yes to you more. So Tim was always brilliant at that. 
Um, with Ramit, let's see, what did I learn uh, from from Ramit? You know, I I loved working with Ramit because he was always just game to try new things, and he was open to you know some of the earliest stuff that we did together were funny videos for his audience because I said you know you got this great sense of humor, but all you do is kind of show this serious uh, side of yourself that gives financial advice in in your videos you don't want to be too dry during this lunch so we made uh, a, a fake saga about him about how he had a secret obsession with Susie Orman um, we made a, an April Fool's uh, joke video where it was called let's get rich bitch and um, <laughs> it was it was ridiculous tips on how to save pennies so stuff like making a lint blanket out of the lint in your in your dryer or using tree leaves as Kleenex and stuff like that. Um, so just having that experimental open mindset to kind of try new things. Um, another thing I, I learned from Tim really is that he was very relationship focused. Is he, he was always like trying to meet up with people in person. And I think the temptation is you know, you, you just do calls or, you know, emails or whatever, but he really was diligent about setting up long dinners with people, uh-huh. setting up meetups, and that that really stuck with me. Yeah. With Tucker, I'd have to say the first word that comes to mind is, is generosity. You know, he's, I think he's a, a rich person and he'll always be a rich person because he's just so giving and he's he's very... Uh, non-judgmental, very compassionate, and these are not words that a casual reader of Tucker Max <laughs> used to describe him. You know, they would yeah. say he's an asshole, he's insensitive. If you talk to any of his close friends, they have nothing but great things to say about him. And I've known Tucker for close to I don't know eight, ten years now, and um, he's he's always been focused on uh, he's. I mean. Like you said before this call, Srini, I mean, he's he's there for you during the tough times. Mm-hmm. And he's he's been that way for a lot of his friends. And I can certainly attest to the fact that Tucker was there for me maybe more than anybody, including my girlfriends at the time, mm-hmm. uh, girlfriend at the time, um, when I was going through difficult times, uh, more understanding, more helpful, and uh, more, he, he was a mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he did. A, he's done a wonderful job at that, and so those are those are a few things that I've learned from those guys. Well, let's talk about what sort of prompted this whole notion of uh, you know falling in love with your work so that your work becomes play and, and using that work to change the world. Like, where did that come from? And, and you know, what 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 prompted your inquiry into this idea of, of looking yeah. at work? Yeah. So in my last book, I wrote, I wrote Play It Away, a workaholics care for anxiety because I went through this tough period where I just felt really burned out. I felt really anxious instead of, you know, I started off working with these guys because I thought, man, it's going to be so fun, so exciting to, to help them get to the next level. And at some point it kind of transitioned to, this is about uh, the money, this is about results, this is about like getting things done super productively, this is about working all the time, grind, grind, grind. Um, and I was, I was pushing myself to do that, to be clear. Like, I didn't have somebody behind me cracking the whip. It was just like me wanting to be the best at what I did and wanting to be super reliable and awesome. And 
I burned myself out. I, I, I just didn't sleep. I, I drank a bunch of coffee, three to five cups a day, blah, blah, blah. What got me out of that was uh, after trying everything for, for years in being in this state of misery and constant dread, what got me out of that was returning to play, actually. I, I read a book called Play by Stuart Brown, mm-hmm. and this, this doctor, he actually studied what mass killers, what serial murderers have in common with each other. He was hired by the government to research this. And he found that their childhood was severely deprived of play. And um, his book talks about the benefits of play, what it does for all species that play is it gives us more creativity. It gives us more empathy. It is um, a release valve for stress. It is literally how we uh, form relationships with each other, how we learn, how we develop skills. Like There's so many evolutionary benefits of play. So I started adding play back into my life and it released the anxiety within weeks. Like I was back to normal. I loved life again and it blew my mind. And so what, what I was doing when I was, I was uh, putting together the book is I was studying were there other people who, who really believe in this? I, mean, I don't know if there are other people who believe in play because I found it, it impacted my work. My work was better. It came easier. I was more creative. And so <clears throat> I, I was keeping track of these stories and stuff that I found of our world's greatest workers, people like Edison and Einstein and Steve Jobs and Oprah and J.K. Rowling and, and Plato and Bob Dylan, all these people seem to view life as in and their work as a game as a means of amusement as as a means of fun and my favorite part of the book of play it away was this section of quotes that i had from all those people about how to approach your work how to approach life life must be lived as play as plato said and um and mark twain said when we talk about the great workers of the world we really mean the great players of the world Warren Buffett, he said, it's not work to me, it's just play. Um, And I just kept running into that over and over, and I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if this was its own book, if it was like a coffee table book full of portraits of the people who said these things and maybe uh, a byline of the things that they accomplished. And um, so I, I started putting that together, and... That's that's the book that I just <laughs> just came out with. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, so you and I were talking uh, before we, we hit record here about a couple of different things, the notions of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation, uh, you know, what you called an external paycheck and an internal paycheck. And, you know, I want to talk about the role that those things uh, play in, uh, no pun intended, in making your work feel like play. Because I think that... I think in my mind, we have this sort of misguided notion of passion in that you just wake up yeah. one day and you have this passion and, and suddenly you're like, oh, I, I love doing this thing that I do every day. And, you know, Cal Newport told me, he said, I think we put the cart before the, the, the horse when yeah. it comes to passion. And Tina Selig said, you know, we, we, you know, passion follows engagement. And I'm just curious kind of, you know, what your experience and, you know, what the people that you've interacted with has showed you about, you know, uh, both sort of the discovery of passion and the role of extrinsic and intrinsic motivation in making your work actually feel this way. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Cal. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way it develops is not like 
turning on a light switch and suddenly yeah, I'm really passionate about this. And in fact, I don't think I've ever described anything I've worked on as I'm really passionate about it. You know, that, that seems to be reserved for causes rather than the actual work itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the way it develops is you, you're initially curious about something and then that slowly or rapidly develops into fascination over it. And then as soon as you get your hands into it and get over the hump of this is a difficult thing and now it, it comes more easily, it's, it's continually fascinating to you, it's, it's continually exciting to you, and it's continually challenging to you, then it sort of develops into this, this is my, this is my playground. This is where I go to, to, to play. This is where I fall into flow. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned video editing earlier because that is it for me unquestionably. Yeah. Yeah. I, every time I do it, I'm challenged. I'm in love with the work. No matter how hard it is, no matter, no matter what, no matter what the subject, I will look up and it's 4 a.m. and I have no idea. Uh-huh. And so that, it takes work to get there, you know? It took <laughs> yeah. me many years to get there. And, and video editing used to be, freaking frustrating to do it was brutal it was slow and and i came in right at the the beginning of iMovie coming into play on these old macs that used to take minutes every time you made a single edit to re-render so you could it was just it it took forever Uh um and it was even worse for people before me so i'm i'm lucky um but it takes, you know, for some people that might be stand-up comedy, I, I also love improv, but I don't love it in the same way. Yeah. Where I just want to do it over and over and never stop, you know? Sure. So it takes, it takes work. It takes the curiosity <laughs> stage. It takes the fascination stage. It takes you getting over the hump of the work no longer being clunky and uh-huh. super difficult, but getting to some point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm up on two feet and I'm moving now. Yeah. So do you have days where you, despite having done this for so long, are like, holy shit, uh, like this just isn't going well. Like you have bad days. Cause as a writer, I can tell you as somebody who writes every single day, there are certain mornings where I wake up and I'm like an hour, hour and a half into it. I feel that it's a lost cause. But the thing that keeps me going is I'm like, you know what? I'll be back tomorrow. So it doesn't matter. You know, Adam Grant and I spoke and he said, you know, one of the common patterns that he found uh, among people who had, you know, um, incredible creative work and, and creative breakthroughs was that they actually produced a high volume of work. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, the study, right, where they, they, they had a college professor who had two classes and he, he said to one of them, uh, it may have been a high school teacher, but uh, he said to one of them, I want you guys to focus on making the best pot possible. Not marijuana, but like, <laughs> uh, I want you to make the best one that you can this semester. Uh-huh. And then to the other class, he said, I want you guys to focus on making as many as possible. And the second class was the one that consistently had better work, like overall, because they, they were able to practice it over and over and over. So, yeah, I mean, it's the people who are able to continually practice. And I think looking at it like that is the only sustainable way of doing it. I think it's it's easy as a creative to get lost in the result. Mm-hmm. 
you know, to, to only focus on the outcomes that are to come and to feel disappointed when they don't. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we, I think all of us have fallen into that trap, but really the, the reward should be the work itself mm-hmm. in the, in the excitement, in the process of coming to those outcomes. It's just another uh, step along the path. And it, and it can take a while to find that work, you know, mm-hmm. not everything is that work for you. I mean, I'm a writer too. Yeah. That writing does not give me that same like oomph that video does. Sure. So I want to talk about this idea of uh, outcomes and process and detachment, because I find myself going back and forth between, you know, being able to say, okay, you know what, I don't care about the results. I'm in this for the process. Like, I think it, as much as I wanted to convince myself in the process of having my first traditionally published book that I'm not attached to the results when it didn't meet some of my expectations, I kind of got a, a, a little bit of a rude awakening and thought, okay, you know what, that was like a gut check moment, and now it's, it's time to truly let go of this. And I'm curious, do you still have moments where you find yourself attached to results, and, and how do you get over them? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it, it, it's it's only natural. I mean, I'm running a freaking Kickstarter, right? The <laughs> yeah. results are staring me in the face, <laughs> so I can't help it. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, the process itself if the process is not fun and rewarding yeah then what are you doing you know like that's that's life yeah you know life is the process well it's funny you say that because i think that one of the other sort of weird things that has happened as a byproduct of our online sort of world where everybody's lives are perpetually on display and it seems like everybody's accomplishing all these amazing things is that all you see is the accomplishment and you don't see the process and you convince yourself that you'll fall in love with the process because it might lead to the accomplishment. Um, yes. And, and you know, you've got this this way, you know, Noam Chomsky had this quote about manufacturing consent, which, you know, Danielle Laporte wrote about in her recent book. And, and I think to, to some degree, we all manufacture consent uh, and we manufacture a consent around the idea of what a fulfilling and rewarding life looks like. Yeah. And people don't question it at all. Can you explain manufacturing consent a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the idea the idea is that, okay, you know, we have conversations like this one and, and like many of the others that I've had on the show. We read blogs like Tim Ferriss's or books like Tim Ferriss's, and we come up with this collective agreement of what a good life or what a fulfilling life or what a rewarding life actually looks like. And we end up creating these standards that in some cases are impossible to meet and in a lot of cases were never ours to begin with. And so what you get is this tremendous amount of dissatisfaction that comes from this narrative that, you know, to some degree, we've all perpetuated. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's like this underlying current uh, with everybody that you're you need to justify your existence, Mm -hmm. basically, with these major accomplishments. You need to show everybody else like that you're doing it right. Yeah. That you're living right. But really, you were just given this life. None of us asked for this. Right? This, is, this was all a gift. So it's crazy to kind of fall into it. And we all do it. I'm not casting judgment on anybody. I do it. Yeah. Uh, to, to kind of fall into these rhythms where you're like, okay, that's what I need to be doing. Rather than rather than deciding like or reflecting just simply reflecting on what are the moments that have brought me joy that 
no one was grading me. No one was forcing me to do the activity. I was just doing what I wanted to do. And this is why I found, I found the uh, exercise, your play history, so helpful. And I still return to it, which is, what were those things that you did as a kid? The, the activities where you were just left to your own devices, you were on your leisure time, you weren't in school, you weren't, no one was directing you or instructing you to do anything. What were the activities that you were repeatedly and voluntarily turning to? Because that's really your North Star. That's your internal compass hmm. sending you to these activities, right? Mm-hmm. What, were, what were those activities for you, Srini? Boy, as a kid, funny you mentioned video editing so much because um, had I realized it when I was in college, you got to remember, I think you and I have about a 10-year age gap. So video editing was even more of a pain in the ass when I was in college. But I, I mean, I think the one of the things when I looked back was my natural tendency anytime a new piece of technology was introduced into my life was to make something with it. And yeah. some of my earlier experiments were doing stuff with like music and slideshows for you know the Indian Student Club at Berkeley. Um, and I remember, you know, I, I think... I spent something like 80 hours putting together this slideshow. Like it was a PowerPoint, you know, this was when, you know, we didn't have anywhere near the sophistication of tools we did. So like I had to make every soundtrack work within PowerPoint. And I mean, I had a field day. It was like my version of making a movie. And, you know, I mean, I would stay up till two in the morning working on this thing and it didn't ever feel like work. Uh, that was one of them. Uh, you know, funny enough, I mean, I've started writing about this in my upcoming book, but you know, my first job out of college, I hated with a passion, but one of my friends started a website which was like a blog before blogs existed. And we would all, you know, write these crazy stories about what was going on in our lives. So, you know, I had this, you know, a, a, a PG, much more lame version of what Tucker's stories were called Summer of Srini. And, it, you know, so I could always find these threads of making something, um, whether that be in the form of writing, whether that be in the form of multimedia, um, that, that was definitely one place. I mean, for me, the athletic aspect of it didn't happen until much later. And I, I think that was dumb luck, um, you know, because I never got the same joy from sports because I was I was pretty bad at them. But for some reason, surfing and, and snowboarding really changed all of that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny listening to you describe it. It sounds like when you were just doing stuff that you wanted to do and when you were just going out and creating, mm-hmm. the amazing thing is everyone has permission to do that every single day of their life and very few people take take that responsibility seriously or they, or they very few of them choose to do stuff for for its own sake for the for pleasure yeah. right and that is the key to getting whatever job you want instead of coming to people and asking like will you pay me to do whatever it is that you tell me to do yeah you're coming to them and saying, hey, I made this awesome thing. It's a gift for you to use or just for your amusement or whatever. And that's where your best work comes from is from this place of like, I just wanted to make this. I thought it'd be cool. Uh-huh. And I wanted to share it with you. I thought it could help you or I thought you'd get a kick out of it. Like every job offer will come from that that you want. Yeah. That's where your best work comes from. And that's where you're having the most fun. You know, I, I want to ask you one other question. Um, having been through a formal education and having had this post-college work experience, how do you view education now? Like, what is your perspective on it? Yeah, so, I mean, my perspective is similar to a lot of people's right now, which is like, look, college is great. It's 
way too expensive for for what it is and your your education should be you should be what you do for the rest of your life you know education is what is done to you but learning is what you do for yourself so choose learning over education and you don't have to put yourself in a compromised financial position to do it mm. you can do it for free even yeah yeah that's that's pretty much it wow so um i have one last question which is how we finish all of our uh interviews at the unmistakable creative what do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable i can't remember my my answer from last <laughs> time but i know i had something great i wish you could edit that into this uh what do i what do i think uh makes somebody unmistakable yeah i think when they found what's what's theirs is when they're doing stuff solely for their own, not solely for their own pleasure, but primarily for their own internal paycheck, mm -hmm. right? One of the quotes that really, really sticks with me is what J.K. Rowling said about why she wrote the Harry Potter series. And she had tons of pressure, right? She had millions of fans at this point. She had all the money she could want. And she said... I just write what I wanted to write. I write what amuses me. It's totally for myself. And I think that is where unmistakable comes from. I, I heard it in Martin Scorsese who said, when I'm making a film, I'm the audience. And Peter Jackson, who made the Lord of the Rings film, said, um, the best films come from the films that you most want to make, basically. So make stuff for yourself. Do it for yourself, first and foremost. And that's how you can be unmistakable. Well, um, I think that makes a very fitting end to uh, wrapping up our conversation. So where can people learn more about you, your work, and uh, the Kickstarter for the book? Yeah, so um, they can learn about the Kickstarter for the book, obviously, on Kickstarter. Just look up Play for a Living. Um, it's really cool. Watch the trailer. It's a lot of fun. And you can learn more about me at charliehone.com. If, uh, if you struggle with anxiety, type in uh, Anxiety Cure on Google. It's the first non-sponsored link that comes up. And you can find my books on Amazon. Awesome. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Unmistakable Creative Podcast. While you were listening, were there any moments you found fascinating, inspiring, instructive, maybe even heartwarming? Can you think of anyone, a friend or a family member who would appreciate this moment? If so, take a second and share today's episode with that one person, because good ideas and messages are meant to be shared. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that, and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.